Tip today in association with Slatteries of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slatteriesgarage.ie Gurmina Mahagat Angelo, welcome along to the second hour of uh, Tip Today, 1800-938-007. We have that great competition up and running for you in association with our friends at Tesco of Clonmel. We have a €100 Euro voucher to give away every day this week and it's celebrating the fact that this coming Saturday the Lee McCarthy Cup will be at Tesco in Clonmel along with some of our heroes, or hurling heroes indeed, of 2019. So you can get along there, meet some of the lads, uh, get autographs and photographs and all of that kind of thing and uh, maybe even lift the Lee McCarthy Cup. There will also be refreshments and goodies for the kids on the day. So if you want to win that 100 euro voucher, we have a question for you. What Tipperary team will be in the Senior All-Ireland Club Hurling Final this weekend? 083-311-3311. You can enter by text or indeed by WhatsApp as well. And we have had a an unbelievable uh, amount of people getting involved in this, uh, a bit of a meltdown in fact, as I can see here on our tech service uh, so 083 311 a lot of other queries coming in from uh, for Anne Darcy of the Natural Health Clinic and we'll wade through them and we'll bring them to Anne next time round Legal discussion on tip today is brought to you in association with Lynch Solicitors Clan Mel on the web at lynchsolicitors.ie and at divorceinireland.com. And John Lynch from Lynch Solicitors joins me in studio. Good morning to you, John. Uh, good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. After meeting Anne, sure. I'm thinking you know. uh, I'm going to get my teeth checked. Make <laughs> <laughs> sure I have no mercury in there. <laughs> that explains it all, then, is it? <laughs> I wondered why I was having problems. See, there you go. Now, who are you going to? Sue. Yeah. Um, see, see, <laughs> see, not Sue. <laughs> Tell me about it. We're going to continue with our, our legal uh, yeah. resolutions for the year, aren't yeah, we? One of the, one, I was thinking about this last week and I was thinking, you know, the way you come up with different ideas and I'm thinking that whenever you want to emphasize something, you say NB, you know what I mean? Yes. The annotations Note, NB. Please, yeah. So I'm going to New Year's resolution NB, which is no brainers. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm re, re, rephrasing the whole thing. Yeah. I, I met a client during the week and actually it just prompted me to thank everybody who comes up to me during the year and I do get thank a lot of people that actually stop me in the street and say to me you know how much they enjoy the programme and you know it's great to get a bit of feedback Absolutely, and reassurance yeah. that you're actually not talking a lot of ramesh <laughs> and that people do actually understand it but for one of the one of the clients long-standing client and he tells me he's a long-standing listener as well Funny, he talked about two things that you could kind of put into the whole area of New Year's resolutions. One of the things is, you know, we hear a lot about litigation. We hear a lot about, you know, the downside or the negative side of it. And we don't hear a lot about the the people who obviously 99.9% of people who have legitimate cases and take them and are entitled to take them, you know. But he reminded me of something that I had said to him years ago and he had heard me saying it on the radio more recently and that is that you should always ensure that if you have a piece of litigation and you're involved in a piece of litigation you should always check a couple of things at the start of the year one of which is to make sure that you've actually that the paperwork's in order that you've started the ball rolling from a legal point of view because if you don't you could be out of time and you know a lot of people unwittingly 
leave themselves run on because they want to see do they get better and they want to see if things improve and quite a lot of people won't take a case unless they feel they absolutely have to and you know this is the you know if the injury is so serious but a lot of very minor injury people don't do anything about it and the problem then is that if they leave it too long then they run out of time to actually do something about it Uh, the second part of that equation actually is the question that he or what he he actually said to me which was that he had had a whiplash injury years and years ago quite a number of years ago and now it had come against him hugely that he was very seriously debilitated as a result of it and it's one of the things that you often have to kind of be very careful when you're talking to a client to make sure that in fact you've captured the entire injury. In other words, that you know what the long-term implications of the injury are. And sometimes when people settle cases, they're, you know, they're kind of, they don't want to appear to be, you know, overly, what's the word, avaricious mm. or whatever, greedy. you know, yes. greedy mm. in turn. Mm. So they'll often settle and settle at the very first opportunity. Sometimes that's not the right thing to do because you need to make sure. And that's the second kind of part of the litigation, if you like, resolution. And that is to ensure that your case is properly prepared, ensure that you know the full extent of the injury and that you know the full ramifications of it. Another thing that he actually said to me, which I, it's not a New Year's resolution, but it's kind of a clarification that I, I promised him that I'd actually cover it in the radio, so I'm going to cover it. And he asked me the question, he said that he was often confused as to the difference between kind of a, a civil action, a case that you take for, say, personal injuries, and a criminal action. And, you know, how come you could have the same set of circumstances, like, to, let's say, somebody's involved in a road tra- traffic accident, and let's say the person who, if you like, was responsible for the accident is prosecuted in a court of law. And the question he had is, how come sometimes they can get off? And then when you look at the civil case, which is the case for the injuries, they're actually not getting off and they have to pay. And he says, uh, you know, what's the difference or how can that happen? And I said to him, well, it's kind of one of the fundamental kind of, if you like, principles when you're looking at proving a case. So when you're proving a criminal case, you have to prove it beyond reasonable doubt. So in other words, the kind of weight, it's like a scales. If there's any doubt at all, the scales will go in favour of the person who's been accused. So if there's any doubt at all, they're supposed to not be convicted, okay? And in the case of a civil case, a civil case is different. A civil case, the scales is different, is is a different kind of a measure, if you know what I mean. And it's called the burden of proof. So that's where the kind of scales analogy comes into it. And where you get a situation where you've got two stories, if you like, for the same accident, let's say, just as an example... You've got the fellow driving one car says that it happened one way. The fellow driving the other car says it happens another way. And the question is how and how is the thing dealt with? And it's dealt with literally on what they call the balance of probability. So again, kind of sitting in the middle of that word is the whole scales concept as well. That if the scales tilts in favour of one of the parties well, he's going to win his case. So it's on the balance. It's on balance which story is 
the more believable or the more credible or in a, in an awful lot of cases the best proven case so in other words who puts more on his or her scales to prove their case than the other party which kind of brings you back to the other one that people will often say to me you know you know the laws and ass you know that old saying mm. the laws mm. and ass and often the laws and ass because when you're looking at it it looks like an ass mm. sometimes slow moving and makes totally illogical decisions although I'm not sure that's very fair on asses but there you go <laughs> <laughs> but if um, if you're looking at a situation that people will often say, well, that that kid, that 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 judgment was wrong, or that, that they arrived at the wrong decision, more often than not, the reason that they will arrive at the wrong decision is that the wrong facts, mm. or if you like, the case wasn't put to them as effectively as it should have been put, and this brings me to the other resolution that I would always say to people who are bringing cases, and that is that. If I have a client, and thankfully I do have clients, but if I have a client who's involved in a piece of litigation, it is much better for me as a, as a lawyer and as a professional advising some people, some, somebody, that they understand what the case is about, you know, what they need to prove, what the, you know, things like the balance, etc., etc. And, you know, people often say to me, you know, you know, okay, the law is very complicated. Surely you can simplify it. Well, you can not complicate it is certainly the thing. And I think that I'm much happier with the client. And I mean, in our case, we try and do it. I mean, it's one of my kind of, if you like, golden rules. And it's something that I, if anybody hopes and they're not, maybe it's on in the, the waiting room in the office, but if they're not, if they're listening to me, what I always say to, to anybody who I'm training, and I've trained quite a number of people down the years, and I have people working for me, and <clears throat> I don't know what it is that you get when you're a lawyer, you know, when you start in law school and when you go to university and you go to college, I think they almost all, you know, there must be an invisible kind of machine, like, you know, a scanner that you see in a shop. Then you walk in through the doors of the law school, you know, once you go through the scanner, you come out the other side and words like in relation to, in connection with and pertaining to and here and after, here and before and as make it as complicated yes. as you can, yes. kind of feeds into your brain. So I get people who come as trainees and they draft, so they draft a letter for me and when you're the, the training solicitor, used to be master. I used to prefer master. But anyway. I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but as a training solicitor, they write out letters. And I'm not saying, by the way, that my firm don't do this because I catch it every now and then. I can't monitor it all. But when, you know, when, and I don't know why I'm getting onto this tack, but anyway, it's down to the question, down to the matter of saying to to my client in terms of news resolution, you know, when we, when I've written a pack which I give in different areas and we hand out these packs to clients for mm. making wills, etc, etc. And I try as best I can. I edit them all myself personally. I write, I go through them and if I find in relation to, I, I shoot it. If right. I find anything that makes it sound complicated. Legalese. Legalese. Yes. I try and pull it out as best I can and I invite anybody and any clients who are reading my, my materials to come back to me and if they can find it in, in relation to I'm going to say I'll give them uh, whatever, <laughs> two euros or one euro might be the safest bet. 
But the point that I'm making is that a New Year's resolution should be to understand your case, mm. to understand what your case is about, to understand the, the nuances that are in it as best you can, so that when it comes to the point of making a decision as to do I settle it or do I not settle it, that you're not mm. in that total and utter lack of understanding as to what your case mm. is about. I presume that the ultimate simplicity is the actual truth. You know, I mean, the, the complete truth, because there's no ambiguity there. I watched, uh, I watched, <laughs> that's really interesting, because I watched, um, at the end of the day, uh, I go looking for every now and then for something on Netflix, as we all do, to watch. And for some reason, I had some problem with my telly. So I flicked on Netflix last night and I flicked along uh, looking for something to watch. And I saw it came up with the usual stuff because I've been watching stuff before. Good old Google, YouTube or whatever the hell they are went down and said, now I know what John is going to want to watch. So they threw up this program to me called Messiah. Mm. And it's about... Um, I don't know what exactly what it's about because I just watched the first episode, but it's about a messiah-type character mm. in uh, Iran, I think, or someplace. And the essence of it uh, is, the, you know, the whole point, the whole thing was that they were trying to find out... What was, I'm after losing my train of thought. We're now. talking about the truth. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Thank you, thank mm-hmm. you, Fran. You were listening to me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but... At one point in it, the, one of the characters was interviewing somebody for the CIA and she asked him the question, you know, uh, what are the one principles that you think the CIA agent should have? And then he didn't answer it directly for her, I think. And she said, what about truth? And his answer was, well, truth is a kind of a movable, movable feast, you know. It can be different things for different people, etc., etc., etc. And she told him, no, out you out the door you're not getting the job in the CIA I shouldn't tell you this but you're failed your interview and away you go but to a certain extent to go back to your question isn't now one of the things that I will always say to to um, a client who's involved in litigation who has to go into the witness box now I don't know if you've ever been in the witness box uh, a small a small claims thing right. years and years ago. Most terrifying yes. experience of my life, yes, even yes, though I think yes. it was worth about 100 euro yeah, at the time. Yeah, but yeah. 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 It, yeah. it is, isn't it? Oh my and God. Hugely stressful. Terrified. Yeah. Yes. Because you're afraid of all the things you don't know. Yeah. You're afraid of questions. You'd be caught that, out. Yeah, caught out even yes. though you're entirely innocent. innocent yeah. Oh, you're entirely innocent. Yeah. And I've been in it myself. I have, I've had reason to be in there, so I do know the experience. And it's, it is an incredible mm. experience. But one of the things that we produce for clients is your day in court and how to deal with it. And we advise them to go down to the court and try not to be in the total ignorance as to what you're doing. Because it's amazing how the small things, mm. and I, I could probably convert this into a New Year's resolution for anybody involved in litigation, is to actually go down and go into the court and try and demystify it a little bit. Because, you see, the irony of the court system is that it's set up to put the fear of God in you. Mm. Because you're sitting in this little chair, this little seat, all on your own, at the top of the court, with timber all around you. It's the most unfriendly place to be. And you're elevated 
and then you're looking up with another fellow who's looking down at you and then you're looking down at another fellow who's looking up at you and the fellow who's looking up at you or the woman who's looking up at you is standing up mm. and you, you don't know when to say yay, nay or whatever. You don't know when to start. You don't know where you are and it's absolutely there to... Intimidating, it's yes. inti- It's yeah. there to intimidate yeah. which I think is crazy. I mean, it's, as you say, like fellows will say, you know, the way if people will almost say anything eventually to get out of the box yeah, yeah. and I've seen clients who have been you know terrorised by it and you know will not go into the box and whatever but go back to your truth thing truth has many variations depending on how like you can get two people to look at the same thing and come away with two completely different takes on it so Who's telling the truth, if you know what I mean? Mm. So if you're looking at an accident situation, and the funny thing about it, and I'm not trying to say, by the way, that you shouldn't say what you thought you saw or what you actually you know, think, you know, this mm. is what I saw. That is the truth to you, in other words. Like, you know, I saw such and such, and that's what I saw. That is the best evidence you can give. Mm, that's your truth. Yes. yes. And that is the best evidence you can give and often at the end of the day when you're saying to somebody go into court have a look at it see where the witness box is you know see where the barristers and the solicitors sit see where the punters sit see where the and just so that you're not kind of going in totally and utterly not knowing where to go where to sit or whatever and you know, we'll often bring the client into court, sit them down, sit down beside them, whatever, you know, try mm. and make them as comfortable as they can in what is a very stressful, very, very stressful scenario. situation. You know? Can all criminal um, cases end up in the civil court? If a criminal case give, gives... No, that I, that's not really an answer. I was going to say if, if a criminal case gives rise to a civil action, then it will. But that doesn't really answer your question. Most crimes, if they involve other people mm. and that other person suffers an injury, will result and could result in a civil action. So, for example... The ones like driving with speed mm. per se doesn't end up in a civil court. Driving with speed and being involved in a car crash, which involves damage to an individual, will will end up in a theft, for example. Mm. You know, going onto a premises and stealing something could end up with a trespass action, if you know what I mean. Right. And a, an application to to restore the goods stolen, etc. That could be right. a civil, but and, there's a And do you have to thing. ask the judge for permission to pursue no. a, a civil action? No. No. No, that's no, a, that's no. a totally a civ- separate... Exactly. A civil action has its own life, if you right. know what I mean. A civil action, you're either entitled irrespective of what... You know, one of the really fascinating things that often will come to bear as a lawyer is the interaction between a criminal, you know, uh, trial uh, or a criminal prosecution and a civil case, if Mm. you know what I mean. Because, you see, strictly speaking, the criminal trial is a completely standalone Mm. 
like an inquest, for example. An inquest is a standalone. Mm. It's, you know, an inquest is there for a particular reason. The reason that you hold an inquest is to establish the cause of death, not to establish whether somebody is right or wrong, whether there's a case. So it's strictly for that reason. A criminal trial is there for one purpose, and one primary purpose, and that is to establish whether or not somebody offended Right. and breached the rules of law. And if there is a conviction crime. there, is the conviction a part of the, the civil action? Very good question. No, but no. No, no, it's not part of the civil action, but it's a kind of a no-brainer if you think about it. If you're convicted of dangerous driving, for example, it's highly unlikely that you won't be equally uh, found to be responsible in a civil action. However, however, you can have a situation where you might be acquitted of a dangerous driving charge and you would be right. subject to the civil action. Because it's a different criteria. Exactly. And yeah. you might also be in a situation where you'd have two people involved in a road traffic accident and, for example, the guards might decide to prosecute one of them and not prosecute the other. And then when you get to a civil action and you look at the civil action, it might happen that the second driver might be found partially responsible for the accident, even though he was never prosecuted, if you know what I mean. So it's an interesting dynamic because the other thing as well is that a criminal trial is often a very good place to test and check and validate the evidence. So the evidence that comes out of a criminal trial is often very informative as to what might happen. But you always have to keep it in the forefront of your mind. And going back to my friend's question to me uh, the other day, you always have to bear in mind that the balance, the scales is different. You're in, you're putting different things into play in a civil case than you are in a criminal case. Interesting. I suppose the the big example of that is your man in the states. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Jay, what, what was his name again? Jay, Jay the the, the football player. Football player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Name? Oh, ah, you won't win any prizes now. I, I need no, to go back to Anders no. and see if I can. And and the other thing, just before you go, and and I know it's a tough question to say if 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 you could be brief with it. Yeah. Reasonable doubt, John. I've yeah. often wondered and mm. pondered on this. Mm. You can have doubt, but what what? What's a reasonable doubt? Yeah, it's a really, really, really tough question, that, because I suppose if you invert it, what's an unreasonable doubt? An unreasonable doubt is where there's no basis whatever for the doubt. A reasonable doubt is that a reasonable person looking at it would say, yeah, it's reasonable to have a doubt in those circumstances. But the real core of your question, I think, is how when you look at one set of circumstances, people will say there's a reasonable doubt. And when you look at another set of circumstances, people will say there is no reasonable doubt. And then when you throw in, and this is what I think is for another more than one show uh, scenario, the whole essence of reasonable doubt and who makes the decision on reasonable doubt and who makes the decision on the reasonable doubt is a jury Jury. of 12 people. And if you get 12 people in one situation and 12 people in another situation and or you change the variables as to who's been prosecuted and who's not and then you throw in the variable as to how... And I remember 
being very um, um, what's the word exercised looking at a criminal trial that was being run by a really really competent and when I say really competent that sounds like most marned but a really top class barrister running a case and I remember I watched it very early days I watched it because I was in a civil action and we were waiting for a judge and I sat in and I watched it and it turned out that we were, were there for the day basically and I watched this this maestro in action and he hadn't a shred of a chance as far as I was concerned of getting the guy off but he did and he did it on on pure ability to work on the jury and understand the way they were thinking and trying to get them on side even though you know it's it's a bit like our American trial one that we can't remember the name of where your man was driving along the road and everybody yeah, could see yeah, him yeah, could see you him know from the mean? helicopter yeah. so there are so many variables in establishing reasonable doubt that it's really really hard to say anything now there's case law on it you mm. know what I mean and there's the judges mm. and will hand down logic about reasonable doubt yeah, cetera, and some instruction I suppose and some it. sort of yeah. guidance as to what it is yeah. and a judge for example the other variable in it is, is that the judge is there to direct the jury in the decision making process so like the judge is there to direct them so at the end of a criminal trial the judge will say to the jury well here are the facts as I see them you know this is your job you must apply reasonable doubt etc etc so again the judge will assist in that as to what, how you arrive at that kind of decision but right. ultimately it's but, but the reasonable doubt can't be based on I don't like that guy no. my instinct tells me he's guilty well, um, the now, way he's Fran, dressed I think you've probably hit the nail on the head because the question is is that what decides it well there you go exactly right I was going to say... I'll, but but I'll I presume leave. the instruction from the judge would say, listen... Yeah, the instruction from the judge is, even though, like, can I use an American analogy, even though he's black, uh, even though, and that's probably not... O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson. Thank you to all... No, 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 all of our <laughs> listeners just coming in there. But they were listening, obviously. Yeah. But... Um, no, but I mean, even though you might have a situation where you're, 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 a, a judge directs a jury and says to them, look, just because he's a member of the, an ethnic community, just because he's, he's got this, that and the other, just because he's from poor background, just because he doesn't dress very well, just because he's got two earrings, one in his nose and one in his whatever, just because he doesn't sound like he can whatever... That shouldn't influence you. You must look at the facts. Well, I'll tell you a good one. Uh, Just before you go, I was talking about the fact I was involved in a small claims court. And it was about a piece piece of... I I did, actually. I did. It was about a piece of equipment that I left into a shop to be repaired. The piece of equipment disappeared. Blah, 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 blah. But that's not the interesting part. The interesting part is... the case was in debt in you, was it? (laughs) (laughs) But a friend of mine was looking after it from a legal point of view. And Mm. he actually got... Which is very unusual in, Mm. in a small claims course. He got a barrister to come in with me and look after me. Why? I, I don't know. I think he, just because I was a friend of his, he made sure that it was all oh, sort of kosher. Oh, he thought you needed What was the first thing that the barrister told me? What? You're wearing an Dress earring, well. he says. Take, take out, it out the earring. Yeah, take it off. Correct. Correct. And that's what, what I tell you. What a lot of old nonsense. Well, it comes right back to the... No, but it comes <laughs> right back to... No, but it comes right back to the, the point you've made. Yeah, yeah. Is reasonable doubt... Has reasonable doubt got anything to do with the fact that I have a nice suit on me, that I've got my hair cut... 
does re- and that I'm a certain age, yeah. should that affect it? No, it shouldn't. Uh, you know. But does it affect it? Of course, it, so. does. Of course right. it does. Of course it does. And on that note, John, it's <laughs> always a pleasure. Thanks very much indeed. John Lynch from Lynch Solicitors in uh, Clonmel. 10.35 right now. Back in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Subaru dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie